Hello, and welcome to Girls to the Front. This week's podcast is a pretty special episode. It features a guest for the first time. Uh, so we've got to episode 10 and now episode 11 features the first guest of Girls to the Front. The guest is my sister, my sister Kirsten, uh, my younger sister Kirsten. So the whole point of the episode is to talk about three things that she wished she knew when she was a teenager. However, <laughs> we got there in a very, uh, well, a 30 minute intro um, in a whirlwind of different topics. So that ranges from team sports, our parents, our grandparents. But yeah, so these are the three things that Kirsten wished she knew when she was a teenager. You don't have to put them fully on. You can just put them on one ear if you want to. Also, if you hate them, you can just take them off. And can you untangle that bit? Because you're pulling the thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Should we turn the office off in the background as ben well? Because Kessel doesn't need to do this. <laughs> he sits down. Okay, so we've got a guest this week, which is really exciting. This is Kirsten. Kirsten is my sister. Do you want to introduce yourself? Um, yeah, I mean... What's your name? Where do you come from? <laughs> I'm Kirsten. I'm Michaela's uh youngest sister there's only two of us so i don't know why i said youngest unless also a, can i just interrupt unless a middle child absolutely no one refers to me as michaela and you've oh, gone sorry, in on the formality of it where they went with it because at work you're michaela but obviously no we go informal mick the builder <laughs> mick michael <laughs> mike <laughs> cha <Cha-cha. laughs> um yeah um i'm mick's youngest sister um I I don't really it's difficult to talk about yourself um I guess so I was a social worker for four years um when I was very young and inexperienced and it taught me a lot um and now I'm retraining to be a probation officer um which is very scary and a lot of responsibility because it's obviously managing people's risk in the community um I don't really know. Well, I, I like <coughs> CrossFit and the gym. I like rugby. I like my dog. And that's probably the only people that I do like. <laughs> and, no. you, and you, I guess. Um, so your dog's got three legs? My dog has three legs. She's a rescue from Cyprus. Um, she got caught in a snare when she was eight weeks old. Um, but she is a shining example of resilience and that it doesn't it doesn't really matter to her she doesn't know any different and that's quite a, a lovely thing to have in your life of that I always find like when I'm doing stuff like say I'm walking up Hennevan or I'm walking up a mountain or like yesterday when we scrambled up the beach everybody is like when I went up Penavan, every <laughs> single person I passed was like, if that three-legged dog can do it, I can do it. And I was like, yes, this is literally my life. Like, I look at Lara and I'm like, if you are doing this, I can do it. Um, so That's really cool. I really like that. Example. Um, well, yeah. And also for further context, we went to university together. I think that's quite a novel thing that's happened. We did, yeah. So I tend to just follow Michaela around. Um, Mick... <laughs> It's literally that, like, Borat TikTok. <laughs> Which I don't really do well. The one that's like, this is my neighbour. <laughs> oh <my laughs> like, um, he got a window, I got a window. <laughs> she got a door, he cannot afford. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so we went to school, went to college. Same school, same college. Yeah. Um, um, not that there's many pathways in Herefordshire oh, no, 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 no. to do. So you all end up in the same place anyway. Yeah. And then after sixth form, I went to Bath. And then Kirsten's two school years below me. Three school years below me? Uh, 
well, we're two and a half years apart, so I guess maybe three. Yeah, and then I went to Bath, and then obviously was having such a good time that Kirsten thought, ah, I might as well go there as well. It was also, like, one of the top universities for my degree at the time. So I was like, oh, that's a bit of an excuse. And I was actually terrified to go to university, and I think that's probably why I gravitated towards somewhere where I knew somebody because in reality we didn't actually see each other that much like I didn't rely on you as much no. as I thought I was going to rely on you but you obviously introduced me to rugby which has been a huge part of my life ever since um and I've made some of my best friends through that team and I'm still in contact with them 10 years later so I'm very grateful that I took up that opportunity when you presented it you presented it as in, we need bigger people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I forced <laughs> it on you. I don't think I gave you much choice. And you were like, in we need props. And I was like, well, I guess I'm quite tall and quite big. So I guess I'll be able to run with the ball. Um, and then, yeah, what, f- five years, four years later, after you forced me to come to an introductory session, I was playing in the premiership. So Yeah, that's really cool. You've... I mean, you outlasted me on that front. Mm. I just played for university. And then after university, I had like the worst experience of all time uh with another team when yeah. I moved to Wales um maybe I'll talk about that another time on a different mm, podcast yeah, episode but like sure. having like the like I think this is a good thing for like I guess why Girls to the Front exists is because in terms of like finding out what you're capable of and finding routes to be mm. active and express yourself I think one bad experience can put you off doing stuff for life so especially when you're trying to do stuff that's not typically I'm using like air quotes here mm. that is not typically for girls Oh, yeah. And that's completely. the thing, isn't it? Because you one bad thing. Like, if we were put off by the amount of people that used to use slurs towards us or whatever because we were playing a sport that wasn't deemed that straight women should be playing, um, we'd have, like, sacked it off and been... And then I wouldn't... Like we said, we wouldn't have made the... Because you've still got your... Some of your best friends are still from yeah. the, the team that we played in. Um, and I wouldn't have had quite a lot of life experiences if I'd have taken what other people said at that time yeah so that's a really good point isn't it actually I've never really thought about it like that I think in situations like that I think you have to have uh really solid support systems Mm. because you do face a lot of it is like a first world problem but I guess it's all uh relative like when you are week in week out faced with people like homophobic slurs Mm. like uh, basically telling you're not good enough, all this sort of stuff. Like, yeah, I've had experiences where... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you play the full 80 minutes? Do, sorry, this do is they, quite team sport heavy chat. Do they pull your hair? <laughs> oh, all the time. Um, <laughs> but, um, like, I think it's really important in those settings that you have, like, a really solid support system of people. Mm. So when that breaks down and when it kind of, like, turns on each other, which was what my bad experience was, is that it wasn't about running together as a team. It was more about kind of people being very individual and they're not like welcoming me welcoming you in really quickly Mm. I was like well I'm not really up for playing 80 minutes on a Sunday with let's be honest it's always men shouting at you on the sideline that you are ugly (laughs) no you can say um the ugly rank lesbian uh don't play the rules properly blah blah blah. when then the person next to you then is also like you shit yeah (laughs) or like wants to give you some nonsense about something so yeah um where are we going with the rugby chat um I guess it's kind of um it's gone off into a tangent where it's like we're doing stuff and with girls to the front as well you're doing stuff that's not typically seen 
as something that girls should be doing, like in mm. what society's created and what women should be doing. Um, and I think both of us have a wealth of experience in that area. And I think that's probably why Girls to the Front is succeeding so much for you. It was because you know, like, because you, in the gym, like, I'm sure that the girls are seeing you. You're a perfect role model for this. Like, you are so fit. Oh my God, don't, because I will cry. And so, like, strong that it's actually terrifying. Um, and blokes don't like that. Mm. Because you get so much crap on nights out. Like, Oh my God, the Blokes are like, you look like a man or whatever. But we're always like, well, she could squat you. So you <laughs> just leave. <laughs> And you're gonna, and the, but this is a prime example. You've got such a supportive network now that, it, and this is where you're saying that you need that support network in that, like, your partner doesn't care that you are muscly mm. and he probably loves you for that mm. more. Whereas, so you need to pick your people. Yeah, I, have you listened to this? The, so I just for context, Kirsten actually hasn't listened no, to this podcast, to anything, and no. these are all the messages that I say all the time mm. about having solid support systems and um, picking the right people in your yeah. life. Um, yeah, the I think that that's it. I think the 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 clicking point for me with that was when I was in the gym. I hope the person that said this to me remembers um, that they said it to me. But uh, I was marbling about what I was going to wear to a wedding the mm. week afterwards, and the outfit I had. Uh, basically I felt it made me look really masculine in my upper body and then the person that I was saying this to was like but why would you not want to show that off like why would you not want to be like oh this is how hard I work like Mm. it's a product of your hard work isn't it and also like a thing of being like well yeah but I feel like I might some people might not like it or might see it as like a weird thing for girls Mm. to look but um, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm pretty confident I could put you above my head. So yeah, but this is the this is kind of what we like w- what we've been talking about the last couple of days as well. Is a lot of times someone will say something to you out of their own insecurity. Mm. So if somebody's bringing that up to you, if a bloke comes up to you and is like, you've got like your traps are massive, it's because their traps aren't massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, how does this woman look like this? So most of the time, and that's something to remember going forward, like if anybody ever says anything to you that shakes you or whatever, it's purely because it's either coming from a place of insecurity and you have to then empathise with that person and be like, what a sad little life, Jane. (laughs) Or (laughs) or, um, just, yeah, it's or they're jealous of you and you've got... If anything, that's an ego boost, isn't it? If people are coming for you, it's because you've got something that they want most of the time. Yeah, I see quite a lot of quotes sometimes about uh, when people are like projecting stuff and how, uh, you know, like people talking about you isn't necessarily a representation of you. It's a representation of them. Mm. And, you know, like you said, like a lot of it is insecurities on their behalf and, and things like that. So it's a good thing to zoom out and remember, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think, so we talk about it on... Uh, my other podcast chop with Carrie Water but um <clears throat> about like understanding why people say stuff mm. and like why people have certain beliefs and why people I don't know have different political ideologies and why people have different like cultural references and things like that it's like makes your life a lot easier if you can be like oh that's why they're saying that particularly mm. when people are being problematic well you consider it to be problematic like so a good example of this for me is when mum and dad talk about politics mm-hmm. and I really struggle, particularly with dad. Mum's 
quite quiet so she just says something and then goes quiet and then mm. doesn't really challenge it um but dad is really like i don't know like so it, it it's really hard because <laughs> you ways, yeah he's really set in his ways and you really bump up against him sometimes and he's i know that me. i am so far on the other spectrum to dad mm. and trying to like communicate that and I'll be honest, like I can see a lot of me in dad in terms of like, if I get an idea in my head, it's really hard for, so I, I find it really hard sometimes if I feel quite passionate about something to articulate it. And I think dad gets the same way. He gets like quite flustered. So he just repeats the same point and just gets louder and louder and louder until it becomes like an argument basically. Yeah. Um, but I think understanding why dad has, well, mum and dad, and to some extent, like Nan, like yeah, the wider yeah. family, have those views. I'm like, oh, I kind of get it. Like, I think it comes from a place of care mm. rather than it being like a place of malice. I'd never think that they would think the way they do out no. of malice. It more is like a place of care. Like some of the stuff that Nan says, I'm like, I kind of get like she is because she like cares about <coughs> like what she thinks is a marker of success for a woman. Mm. I'm like, she's concerned that I'm not there because that's her marker of success. And Which that's why she says stuff. It? Oh yeah. yeah, definitely. But I'm like, but these things have changed. But trying to communicate that with her is like really difficult. But understanding why she sometimes says things. And well, then that's it, isn't it? and then being like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe she's just said that. But if you're like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does make sense. Same it's with dad. Yeah. And for them, it's like environmental factors and stuff like that. Whereas... And that's something that you've got to remember going forward. Like, obviously, you're not going to know, like, the ins and outs of every person. But, like, your parents like, might say something... <coughs> excuse me. ...that doesn't match up with what you believe in. But it's not because they don't believe in you or whatever. It's just because they've been brought up in a completely... Like, the times have shifted so much. Like, even from like millennial which i think like i'm on the like we're millennials but i'm like just on the cusp of mm -hmm. it into like gen z is absolutely mad so like even i, d I don't want to sound old because we're not old but understanding younger people now is mad sometimes and i'm like right i gotta get my head around all this mm. so imagine what that's like for somebody your parents your grandparents to then be trying to understand us and then the other generation that's coming through that we don't even understand. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think the jump between like, like, uh, like if you think about it, like dad and mum are of the generation where like a, having a TV was so novel. Like, ha mm. like there were only a few families that had a TV on the street and then like they became popular and now they're trying to uh, like, <laughs> they're trying to articulate a world where now your TV's on your phone. Yeah. And like, it must be really, and then like seeing that for Nan, mm. she must be te like, ter it's quite scary, I guess. Cause mm. it's like, when I talk to some people, like some younger people and they're like, just how well connected they all are, like instantly all the time. Yeah. And you're like, oh, whoa, this is actually terrifying. But imagine someone that's like 40 years older than you mm. having to consider that too. Mm. And you gotta think like, I so I watched It's a Sin yeah on netflix amazing program go and watch it but i was thinking about it and the kind of the message and everything during obviously that it was when um the hiv and aids like crisis kind of i want to say like pandemic crisis kind of went kicked off and nobody knew what it was nobody understood but it was obviously like characterized as a dirty 
gay disease. Mm. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, this must have been like years ago. And it was when mum and dad were teenagers. Yeah. So like mum and dad grew up during the AIDS like crisis or whatever. And then you're like, well, actually, I can kind of understand why people might feel that way because mm. that's what they lived through when it was totally misunderstood. And then it hasn't really been taught that it's not that. Mm. Um, which is just mad, isn't it? So it's ha- um, yeah, it's having some understanding of why people are coming from the place that they're coming from, but it's not necessarily the correct place. Yeah, completely. So. Completely. Well, that's the introduction done. That was a long introduction. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, what I was going to talk to Kirsten about today, um, now that we've done a 30-minute introduction to this podcast, this is now going to be the <laughs> longest one I've ever done, for sure, nice. um, is to pick three things that Kirsten wished that she knew when she was a teenager. Because I think as you get older, you learn a lot, and I think there's a lot that you can share with younger people that can, especially... I think this is a really important kind of, this time is quite good because a lot of people are going through exams right now mm. and made to feel like these are the most important things in their lives. Um, I actually don't know what Kirsten is going to mention. It might not even be even anything no, to do with really it. Anything like that. No, honestly, we were literally saying that yesterday, weren't we? We were driving and we were like, I don't think I've ever used anything from school. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, I don't think I've ever applied anything because we basically how we got there is i made a reference to lenny out of, of mice and men and then we were like is that even still taught like yeah, why like did we learn that yeah um and then we were like i don't think i remember anything from school and like my gcse is now not applicable to no a huge i don't amount of my life the only thing really is the maths and english because that comes up quite a lot mm. in my job because i write a lot yeah yeah um but i haven't used maths in ages um but yeah, like just echoing that message of like, you're gonna feel like this is literally do or die. Mm. But it's really not. It's not. <laughs> it's okay. But that's not to say, like, still revise and study and do your best. But yeah. I think the effort, the effort defines you more than the outcome of it. So if you mm. like show that you are willing to like learn and to put in the effort to like pursue something then the outcome of that doesn't really matter because then I think it's the learning to like (coughs) it's the learning to be resilient and learn new things and Mm. time management that you would apply more in your everyday life than you would an A in double science yeah so Mm. yeah um so three things that you wish you knew when you're a teenager number one go um be your own brand oh I like that so I am quite a Marmite character in that. And I've learnt to love myself for that. It's are you, taken are a you long self-defining time. yourself as a Marmite character? Oh, well, I th- would you not say I am? Would you not say you either get me or you either don't get me? Oh, yeah, no, I think. Do you know what I mean? True. That's yeah. where I'm coming from with Marmite is like, so either you entirely understand me and you get all my kind of sense of humour and the way I am and... Or you don't get it at all and you're like, actually, she's cold-hearted, cold-faced <laughs> and is a bit of a bitch. Because that's how I come across because I am very, like, stony, I guess. Mm. I'd like to think I'm warm, but I guess I'm warm to people that I'm already warmed to. Right, I got you. Yeah. Um, But that's not to say that I'm a bad person for that. And that's what I'm going to try and echo in this is, like, own that. Like the one of my favorite things is that I'm sassy, 
And that might offend people and that might get people's backs up. But at the end of the year, I know what I want. I know, I know who I am. And that's kind of it, isn't it? So I've kind of written to own your own channels and be unapologetically yourself. Um, when I was at uni, I wrote my dissertation. So my degree didn't really need like an entire, you're frowning because you're like a dissertation is like research. Yeah. My dissertation was like, how much have you grown from your first year to your last year? Oh, like reflective practice. Completely reflective practice. Um, because I did a social work degree for context. So it was like, when you first started as a teeny tinsy fresher to when you're graduating to become a fully fledged social worker, which is three years. <laughs> so I was 18 when I went to uni and then I was 21 when I got my qualification and then which is just mad in itself so 18 year old me was only interested in rugby and being a fresher and stuff like that and then from when I graduated I was a completely different person because I experienced so much in between but I wrote my dissertation and it was titled after the Dieter von Tees quote which is you can be the juiciest peach but there will always be someone who doesn't like peaches which I think is something that will ring true to me for the rest of my life mm. because it's like I look at Mick and I think that she is the most well-rounded kind-hearted person that I know and I always say to people because people are always like how's your sister and I'm like well she's doing amazing isn't she because that's just who she is and I've always said that if I didn't if you weren't my sister <laughs> I'd probably hate you <laughs> um and that's kind of I don't know where I was going with that. I don't know, but it was nice. I was trying to thought. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like. But there's this is where I was going with it. But there are people that re like recently, you've had trouble with, and mm. you were explaining yesterday. And I'm sat there, and I'm like, if people don't like Mick, then it's <laughs> totally okay. But if people don't like me, because we're very different characters. Mm. Um. So it's you've just got to remember that really, you're gonna have a group of. It's quality, not quantity. That's another oh thing my off God. the side of that. Yeah. Like, we were saying yesterday, I was like, I don't think I've got many friends. But then I was like, the friends that I do have... Like, you value loads. ...have been friends in my life for a very long time. And know me inside and out and will back me, regardless of what I'm kind of... What decisions I'm making. Or call me out if I'm being bullshit. Yeah. Know? And that's what you need, isn't it? You need someone that's able to turn around to you and be like... You're being a dear. <laughs> Sorry for using language. Yeah, I think the quality of a quantity thing yeah. is something that I've had to battle for so long. I think I really struggle with the idea that not everyone's going to like you. Like, I've mm. struggled with it so much. And, like, uh, in the first episodes of this, I talked about, like, why I'd set up Girls to the Front. And, like, the idea of, like, you know flitting between so many groups and trying to get so many people to like you you turn into like a bit of a chameleon and then you mm. don't really know who you are and you become really uncomfortable with the fact oh, that like yeah. you're like five different people and then like settling on something where you're like oh no this is who I am and it's totally fine and maybe not everyone's gonna like me mm. but equally maybe if you double down on being like oh no I am this person mm. more people would would want to be in your circle yeah instead of you look that you know that sort of thing but yeah I think being your own brand staying in your own lane, however mm. you want to refer to it, is like one of the most, like is such a good piece of advice, I yeah. think. Because <clears throat> you're always going to be questioned why. Yeah, I think so. Like, why are you doing that? 
But why, even why like, are you, why are you dressed like that? Yeah. Why are you wearing those clothes? Why are you listening to that music? Why have you not put makeup on today? Why have you done this? Mm-hmm. Um, or why have you put makeup on? Like, you, you, like you know, like <laughs> yours is like, why are you wearing makeup today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think it's, um, yeah, I think that's a really good one. Number You're off two. to a good start. You're off to a good start. I'm not that I'm going to approve these things, by the way. <laughs> sorry, I should have like, like no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That made it sound like I was like, yes, good one. Pick Next another one. one. No, I think it's so important. And I think it's so important that young girls in particular learn or have seek some sort of comfort in that message. Mm. Because being a teenager is honestly... The hardest thing. It's the hardest thing. Especially now with like, as a sidebar. I was just thinking as well to like pick your role models that echo the same message that you do. Oh my God, yeah. Because there's so many influencers on, this is, I don't do social media, by the way, to everyone. So it's difficult for me. I do do TikTok though, because it's less less toxic. I think this is actually really important to talk about. I know it's not maybe a lesson, but like, why did you get rid of social media? Um, I got rid of social media because um, I was in a rough place with my mental health and I was sick. I, I know these people personally. I had quite a closed off Instagram anyway. I had it private so I, people couldn't see. But I was sick of going on my Instagram and seeing everybody living their best lives um, and posting everything they're really happy, filters, whatever, looking banging with their partners. And I was just like, this isn't real life. Mm. Nobody echoes a real life message on this platform because there were people that I knew personally that were having a really crap time that were posting that they were the happiest they've ever been mm. or like hashtag living my best life. <clears> and I was like, I know that you're not doing that. So why are you telling people that? And I also got to a point quite like, I don't know, no, I'm going to own this where I didn't, there were certain people in this world that I didn't want knowing my business. Yeah, which is completely fair, I think. Because I hate it when I go and see friends and they're like oh friends of a friend's asked after you the other day mm. and I said oh you're doing this this and this and then they said why is she doing that for and uh. I'm like there's a reason why I don't want that person knowing and if they want if I wanted them to know mm. this is what I'm talking about having a closed off group and not providing people kind of that ammunition to to flick you off track mm. because if I was less kind of if I was more vulnerable I am in a better place in my mental health it's still not great um, but if I was vulnerable and I knew that a friend of a friend was saying, well, why has she gone and changed careers? Because one of the comments I got was, oh, the money's gone to her head because I was in an agency position before and I earned good money off mm. it. Oh, the money's gone to her head. And I was like, why are they talking about me like that? They, they don't know me. Oh and God. if they knew me, they'd know I'd taken a massive pay cut mm. to do this new job. So I just got to a point where I was like, it's not real life. Nobody is reflecting how they really feel. And I did set up a couple of Instagrams where I was like, I'm gonna reflect how I feel. And I said to you about it, didn't I? I was like, I'm gonna set up like a mental health kind of advocate Instagram where I post the ugly and I post how I really feel and kind of use it as a journal. But then I was like, kind of, but then I was like, am I feeding into this? Am I feeding people kind of ammunition? And I just wanted to keep myself to myself. Um, but I use TikTok because it's, it's, in the pandemic it passed the time (laughs) and the algorithm is very specific so you can kind of like filter out the stuff that you don't want to see um and there are some really good people on there with really good messages whereas with instagram it's just constant 
Like, I don't give a shit what Molly May Haig is doing. <laughs> if you do, that's great. Yeah. She looks like she's doing really well. Well, is she? <laughs> Everybody's got the same 24 hours in the day. Um, but yeah, I just kind of got to a point where I was like, I'm, people don't use it in the way that I... And that's not... I say people don't use it in the way that I think they should use it, but they're using it in the way they think that it should be used. So yeah. I guess I had a different kind of perspective. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, <clears throat> best thing I've ever done, and I have so many people come up to me that are like, and I'm like, I don't use social media, and they're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Mm. I wish I didn't use social media, but I can't get off it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's mad. Just delete it. Yeah. And find <laughs> something else to do with your thumbs. Do you know what I mean? Like, because that's all it is, is mindless doom scrolling. And yes, I do that on TikTok now, but it's less toxic but um you've like curated a feed that's like much more about learning and seeing reality rather than like the highlight reel of i'm gonna be honest it's just funny dog videos yeah fair. and people doing dances yes yeah, i will never be able to do because i can't <laughs> dance yeah exactly that's all it is mm. and yeah just just cut the ties if it <clears> if, <throat> if you log on to instagram and you dread what you see just delete it there's no point in it you don't even have to delete your profile leave it up there so people don't know you're gone mm. and just because that's the thing is like why have you deleted Instagram yeah people because people can't handle that you don't necessarily you're not doing what everyone else is yeah. doing anyway that was a proper sidebar <laughs> lesson number two lesson number two um change is good okay I have flitted I have done about 15 jobs I'm only 27 I'm only 27 and between the ages of 21 and 27 I've literally had about eight different jobs Mm. all kind of in the same like they've all been a social worker but they've been in different places yeah because I get itchy feet and I get bored the the idea that you have to go to uni get a job stay in that job for 40 years get your watch retire is in my opinion crap Mm -hmm. don't do it Unless you absolutely thrive in that job and you're like, this is the best job I've ever had. I feel like I'm making such a positive impact. Then yeah, that's fine. But it will feel scary to up and leave. And people will be like, just sit still. Just do, just pick a lane kind of thing. Um, But at the end of the day, it's kind of, it's up to you. And if you, you've got to experience stuff and, <clears throat> I guess uh, what am I trying to say basically if you don't like something change it yeah I think that is the message here, don't just sit in it because <laughs> other people because society tells you you have to sit in it people will say oh you won't get another job if you've got eight different things on your CV because people will show that you can't sit in the same space and it's like no that's not the case mm. it shows that you are adaptable you are like able to kind of just make quick thinking changes you were able to get because every single place I've been to I've got really good references from so it's not like they're like oh she just comes and then she leaves Mm. they're like she comes she makes an impact she moves on yeah and that's all you need to do if you want to move to the side of the other side of the world move to the other side of the world if it doesn't work out you're not a bad person for the fact that it didn't work out yeah I moved home for three months then moved back to Bristol for a year then moved home for six months then moved I've sat there and I thought I'm not, I don't know who I am and I'm not the right person and I, I'm doing things wrong, but I'm not. I'm doing what's best for me. Home was detrimental to my mental health at that time, so I moved to Bristol. Mm-hmm. Then 
Bristol became boring and I outgrew that. So I came home for a bit because we're very blessed in that we've got a very stable home environment that we can just use as a base and flip from. Yeah. I think it's like important to recognize that as a privilege sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's um, like uh, the way that I've, because I am going to, like say that I hate change Mm. and like the idea of change terrifies me Mm. so I'm like completely the opposite of you on this like I look for like stability and routine and if I'm in that I hate anything that disrupts it Mm. and like I am happy I guess the fortunate thing for me is that I am in a career that I do really enjoy and all the stuff that I'm doing outside of that is stuff that I really enjoy and believe in so I haven't had to seek change in that way Mm. but not being scared of it so I think the way that I can get my head around that is like not being afraid of failure, I guess. Yeah, I get, yeah, that's a really good point. So like not, it. it's like, um, there's a quote that's like fail fast, fail often because mm. it's like talks about how you can like growth mindset and things like that. <clears throat> you can learn so much from a, a fa- failing, but like mm. that doesn't have to be like a catastrophic fail. That has, no. it's just like, oh, that didn't work out. Let's try something else. Um, or like coming to the end of something. Cause mm. a lot of people will see like, moving locations like coming to the natural end of things and then move I think a big thing for that is when you finish university Mm. and then you have been living independently for like four or five years and then you move home yeah like that almost feels like a step backwards at any point where you have to like go back to your familial home always feels like a step backwards because that's but that's how it's been made to feel I actually never think it's a step backwards at all it it frustrates me when people are like I'm 30 I still live with my parents I'm a pathetic human being and it's like what if it works for you it works for you exactly and also like we are now in a a new like we were saying like how removed different generations are from each Mm. other like we're in a generation now where like buying your own home is almost like an impossibility unless you've been fortunate enough to be given resources Mm. or have access to resources that allow you to do it but yeah, I think failing fast and failing often and not being afraid to fail, but having like a growth mindset approach of being like, well, actually I've done, like this didn't work out. So I'm gonna try something else, but I'm gonna learn from why that didn't work out or yeah. why I need to seek something different is. You have framed that in a way that I couldn't, but that's exactly what I was trying yeah. to say. Okay. When you were like, don't be afraid of change. I was like, <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> I feel Yeah. But then it's like, it's exactly what you said. Don't be afraid of change because you're going to fail. Yeah. Because you might fail, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid of change because you, you might fail. you will fail. <laughs> That's how I said that. I'm going to cut that <laughs> and make that the episode. <laughs> like, just that quote. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, like, I've, I've messed up so much in my life in terms of, like, just making stupid decisions or whatever. And then having to sit with the repercussions of that. But I would never change those decisions because they're part of who I am. And now I can kind of like laugh at them. Oh my God. So uh, Caddy that did the artwork for Girls to the Front and yeah. is like a massive support. I like, I literally cannot thank that girl enough for what mm. she's done. Um, she's done an amazing piece of art for 1233. So I'm shouting out loads of people now that you should all go and access. 1233 do amazing, amazing. Oh my time. God. Do amazing prints. We are sat in front of my 1233 <laughs> Basically in the gallery wall. of 1233. Um, 
But Caddy did a print for 1233. And then as part of that, we bullied her into doing like a quick Q&A so that you could learn more about the artist. Um, so in that, she talks about uh, making mistakes and how one of the biggest mistakes that she made was what you touched on was like not pursuing stuff that she liked, like being mm. like you were being her own brand and stuff yeah. like that, like not doing the stuff that she likes. But then she says something at the end where I'm like, oh my God, yeah. like because Which is what you've just basically said is the idea that you regret making mistakes, but if you didn't make the mistakes, you wouldn't be where you are now. So you have to kind of be grateful for those mistakes. <laughs> Otherwise you wouldn't have learned and be where you are now. Like it's a really, really weird concept to get your head around. Mm. But I don't think you should ever really regret mistakes you've made unless no. they physically or mentally hurt someone. Oh as, yeah, yeah. As a caveat for that. Yeah. Um, but you can't regret them because they're going to shape who you are in the future. Yeah. But then there's still learning from because you you can't go through this world and not ever hurt someone if you think about yeah. it, relationships or whatever mm. it's very difficult to not obviously don't if you're doing it intentionally then you're an idiot but yeah, if you're yeah. doing it kind of off the back of this this space doesn't work for me anymore so I have to move on um but yeah like you said you have to you've got you've got learning then for next time that okay, this relationship broke down because I wasn't honest enough when I was saying, when I was communicating. So next time I'm in a relationship, I am going to communicate fully what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Like my, I was engaged and my relationship completely broke down and I've learned so much from that. I was really wondering whether you were going to bring that up. Oh. Like I didn't know if you were going to touch on it or not. Oh, I've got to a point now where I think it's, it's funny. <laughs> But I think because so I'm like it was such a mad kind of whirlwind experience that I wouldn't change for the world. I was at one point so bitter about it because I it tainted my idea of everything. Yeah, and I was like, and it still does a little bit because I see some people kind of like, um, you see people getting engaged and perhaps you've got a different kind of opinion of their relationship to what it actually is, and that's your own kind of take on that. Because if people are happy, they're happy. Do you yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Um, that it did kind of like take the edge off the sanctity of marriage, I guess. <laughs> um, but then I'm the, but then I, I trip myself and I'm like, but you were going to marry a woman. Yeah. That's not the, that's not typically the yeah, sanctity yeah, yeah, of marriage. Yeah. So how can you sit there and be like, oh, marriage is a stupid concept when you were going to buy into it with somebody that. Yeah. You shouldn't have bought into it with, but I learned so much from that. And I, yeah. going forward now, it's just not. What's the number one thing you've learnt that Kerry Humphreys would give you advice on, Kirsten? Don't get a five-year fixed-term mortgage. <laughs> Mickey and Kerry have been together, like, what, 13, 14 years? And this they still, still do two-year fixed-time <laughs> mortgages just in case anything goes really tits up. Um, yeah, like, so going back to the now finding it funny, the weird thing in our family is that everything is not masked but everything is dealt everything with is a joke. in humor like mm. literally everything is a joke like and again on chop with carry water owen always points out that i laugh when we talk about death yeah yeah and i'm like yeah am one it's a bit of a nervous laugh because i don't like the idea of death and if you've ever listened to chop with carry water and my <laughs> desperation for there to be some weird afterlife yeah. is hilarious but um like because I'm like the only coping mechanism that we have as a family is to like laugh about these things. Mm. And it is literally like, as soon as you give bad news, I feel like everyone is sat there being like, well, when is it too early to crack a joke? Yeah, when can I 
like I've already got it lined up. I know. But when like, is it acceptable you know, to like, say it? When you told me that like the engagement was off effectively, mm. I'm like, okay, well I've got to think of a joke here because that's gonna not lighten the mood or take the edge off. But I feel like that's a such a coping mechanism for us now mm. that I'm like, um, okay, well, well I'll just make a joke and it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, being able to laugh at yourself and being able to laugh at your mistakes is a huge power in itself. Oh my God. Because yeah. you also disable other people's ability to laugh at you. Mm. And that is something that I love because if I can laugh at myself and this is, I think that's, this is why I'm so like, I'm going to use the word attracted, but it's people that are in my circle are people that have that ability to laugh yeah. at themselves because if you can't and you take yourself so seriously and you can't take a joke then I haven't got time for you mm. because that's how we function isn't it yeah but take that as a superpower like I'm not saying everybody has to be able to make a joke at themselves but it's like in the in the office yeah when Michael falls into the koi pond <laughs> yeah and Jim's like go out and make a joke about yourself yeah, and everybody turns around to him and they're like, "Oh, Michael, you're not an idiot. Like, <laughs> yeah. Who puts a koi pond in a lobby anyway?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, isn't it? Because yeah. they all went from ripping the <laughs> Michael, <laughs> it, and then they were all like, "Oh, actually, it's it's," and it kind of brings that side. You then get that kind of sympathetic side from people where they're like, "Oh, well, don't worry about it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to um like with girls and girls the front like. Not that I would ever consider that they fail anything or went, mm. but when they find things particularly challenging, I always try and uh, put it in a light hearted thing or like yeah. laugh or try and encourage them to laugh or mm. like make a joke out of it or something. Cause I'm like, well, like you said, the biggest superpower you can have is the ability to like not take yourself so seriously. And cause I have been crippled by the fear of looking stupid so mm. much to the point where I like won't pursue stuff because I'm like, oh, I might look stupid or oh, I'm not gonna try that. Yeah. Um. But if you can have your, like have a circle of people that like just laugh and are able to just make you feel comfortable with maybe mm. failing and making mistakes and stuff like that. Which is why I think sometimes it's like easy to tell like mum and dad when you're like, oh, I messed up. Yeah. <laughs> cause then you're like, they're like, oh, okay. One second later, let's make a joke. Yeah, well, this is a good story because when I um, when I came out to mum and dad initially and I kind of said, I didn't really know where I was at with it and I kind of said that I'm seeing someone, but they're a girl. Um, And then literally, like an hour later, I was saying to, like, dad was talking and he was like, okay, so w- what are we doing then? Dad, dad needed a label for it because yeah, it was yeah. so difficult for him to kind of get his head around it. And they were absolutely fantastic and that is a privilege that I will always honor massively is that my coming out experience was really really positive um but it got to dad was like call it call a spade a spade cursed you gay <laughs> and i was like but i but i don't think i am dad and he was like nah call a spade a spade cursed. Let's, just, let's just move on do you ever think about what that conversation would have been like with grandma and granddad yeah all the time mm. um and i've heard stuff about our other grandparent who is still alive. So our grandma and granddad have passed now, but we've got our nan left. And I've heard things that nan has said behind my back to other people, other members of the family that perhaps echoes a different message to what she says to me. Mm. But I take it as she was incredibly welcoming Mm. to partners and she tried her best to include them. We had had 
Christmas cards and stuff that said to my granddaughter and partner. Mm. Um, so I guess I'm grateful for her to that. And I think that that's how it probably would have gone with Grandma and Granddad as well, where they would be like, we don't agree with it. Yeah. But we love you. And that, that says a lot about their, about Nan's love for us is that she's willing to swallow that message to crack on with it. Yeah, that's very true, actually. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't make it any less kind of hurtful. But no. then you've just got to remember, I think it would have been really difficult if mum and dad had been echoing the same message. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but with mum and dad, they were just, they don't care. No. Very sure. chill quite fortunate to have oh amazing and I, I i had no fear about it at all like i hadn't even figured it out myself like i think when i talk when i see other people's kind of coming out stories it's always oh i sat with it for like two years mm. before i said to anyone and i literally like i literally met this girl this is me just being like whirlwind as again i think there's a theme ongoing here that perhaps Kirsten doesn't think through her actions no I think the best way to describe you to people that don't know you which is a label that dad gave you once and I thought it was like the perfect explanation is Taz the Tasmanian (laughs) devil like it is a whirlwind I'm just spinning and like often it's like fucking (laughs) (laughs) carnage like the wake of what's left Mm. is like oh my god yeah Kirsten was here an hour ago like do yeah, you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. not in like a physical sense either but sometimes oh. it's like <laughs> I mean I am very clumsy <laughs> but yeah um yeah so I think that but I think that that's a really sometimes it's a really refreshing approach to have because it's like I have these feelings I'm just going to communicate them mm. I'm not going to overthink it I'm just yeah. going to say how I feel because a lot of people will just sit with emotions for here we go that's me we'll just sit with emotions for months and months and months until it gets to a point where you like can't physically hold them in anymore like Mm. we're two very different people on that i think even though i do like cry immediately at lots of things but um verbal diary yeah i'm like uh because carrie sometimes is like i don't understand what's wrong like can you communicate like can you use words and i'm like i don't i can't like i don't and i don't want to either because sometimes it's like the stuff that's annoyed me has been or like upset me has been so trivial that i'm like if i say it out loud there's been times recently in the last few months where carrie's been like what's the matter and (laughs) i've said it out loud and i'm like oh Oh my my god God. like that doesn't even make any sense Mm. um but he will validate that for you Oh yeah, and that's absolutely. the that's the that's the thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, it doesn't matter how trivial it is. Well, all feelings are valid. Oh, doesn't matter. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, but some people won't if they don't. Th- there are people out there that wouldn't validate that. Mm. And it's just be like you need to just. It's actually interesting that there are a group of people that think that they should have to validate. Like they are in charge of feelings, mm. and they can say like which feelings. What's right and what's uh, wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's quite a weird concept, isn't it? I try and say this to Jake all the time. Mm. Jake's my partner now. Um, okay, so again, just for yeah, sorry, sidebar. It's a boy. He likes musicals though, so it's fine. <laughs> we you are not me out in him. He's we are not stereotyping <laughs> here. Just FYI. Also, no, 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 no. Um, but he and I'm sure he won't mind me saying has been kind of brought up in an environment where it's very black and white. Mm. Like you're either right in the fact that you're upset or you're wrong in the fact that you're upset. So I have to constantly echo the message where I'm like it doesn't matter what's happened if yeah. you're upset about it you're upset about well, it's it it's important to you like if, if well, you're upset yeah. about something it's clearly important to you yeah so other people should be like oh yeah okay that's fine but it's like yeah but the the advice there is um if people don't do that for you put them in the bin <laughs> put them straight in that's the bin that's me being black and white <laughs> put them in the bin yeah 
I agree. Straight in the bin. Uh, so my last bit of advice has kind of been echoed through this as well, is um, resilience. So I put resilience will be your best friend. Mm-hmm. Because I, when I was at uni, I read a quote that was like, so basically when I was at uni, this is where my resilience kind of stuff really kicked in because I broke my ankle playing rugby in my last year of university. I was eight, 10 weeks away from graduating. And they turned around to me and they said, you can't continue on your placement. You have to take eight weeks off, get out of plaster and then go back to placement, which would mean that you don't graduate with your peers. You graduate in December. So I then, my whole kind of end of uni experience was completely messed up because I started work. And then three months later, I graduated. So I had to take like annual leave to go Mm. and graduate. So it was all very weird. So it was like things that you can achieve easily won't, have as much value as things that take hard graft yeah that's nice so it's written better but i couldn't find it it's like things that are easily obtainable lack um like value and and sentiment or something like that Mm -hmm. it's weird so uh i use a quote with owen all the time that's about the path of least resistance like you have to seek the path of most resistance Mm. because that's the most rewarding path and often it's the most difficult path to like get where you want to do. So it's, just like, it's the same quote, but said differently. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say like, if you if you achieve, if you go to uni and you cruise through it easy peasy, that's not to say that it's not valuable to you, mm. but it's just like, if it, if it takes a lot of kind of hardship to get to something and then you get it, it feels so much better. Mm. And that's where it, the message is is if even if you're coming against barriers and you're on the path of most resistance you've just got to keep kind of trudging through that because at the end of the day when when you get there it's going to feel great and i in so in my new job we're kind of learning i have to do quite a lot of counseling um which is a whole terrifying thing for me having been to counseling and having been counseled the counsellee, counsel, <laughs> employee, um, that I find it very scary that then I've got the responsibility to then pass that on to other yeah. people. But also it provides me a platform of like, well, I've been where you've been. Mm. But we talk about cognitive transformation. So rather than seeing things as um, like, it's too hard, so, or what am I trying to say basically it's turning things into it's that growth mindset yeah so it's hard but that means it's worth it or this was really difficult for me so I'm gonna see it as an opportunity to grow yeah and taking it that way rather than because it will you are gonna have days where literally like me and Jake were at home the other day and both of us were like when is the universe gonna cut us a break Mm. because this is getting ridiculous now it's just one thing after another but then I'm have to spin it to Jake and be like, but we have an opportunity here to kind of like learn and grow and like, we'll never do this again. Mm. We'll never do that again. Like we'll make sure that we've got this together. Yeah. And it's looking at it like that, like rather than taking these constant hits of, um, this isn't working or whatever. And I'm not, I'm really struggling as a sign to not do it. Yeah. It's a sign that you have to keep doing it. Yeah. Basically. Resilience is an important skill. It's a skill. 
Oh, completely. And they, something you have to learn. They, I'm very lucky in that resilience is tied into my job. Yeah. So, like, I... And it is with most people, but obviously, like, with social work and then with working with offenders, you have to be unbelievably mm. resilient because you will get so much shit from people. Um, that That's really helped me in my day-to-day life because I'm like... Yeah. Oh, you don't like me, but I know I'm doing the right thing. I'm making the right decisions to for whatever reason and it doesn't make me a bad person because that doesn't align with your views mm. <clears throat> yeah resilience resilience it's weird cause all three of your lessons like tie into each other yeah like, it's weird isn't it actually no it's not weird i just i guess it's not weird but it just shows how like all synchronicity yeah there's some synchronicity into all the things you learn in life and mm. sometimes they have like just one key message but i think that's for me and i'm a very emotional person mm. and a lot of my learning and life lessons have come around like self-worth and self-esteem which is obviously massive when you're a teenager and I, st- I don't have it now like I don't have it down I have days where I will literally cry because I'm like you're a worthless person mm. but it's the I'm, what I'm hoping from those messages is they'll then equip you to be able to kind of turn that mindset around it's okay to have days like that I'm not saying mm. that wallow in your own self-pity yeah. for days if you want to but it's, it's then being able to have that knowledge and that equipment to be like, I'm not this, I'm this. Yeah. I'm not that, I'm that. Yeah. So own it and run with it. Yeah. I think um, like you're allowed to feel, and I think ha- like feeling big emotions is like really valuable in life. Mm. Like feeling like a big wave of sadness and like being able to let it wash over you. Because loads yeah. of people just won't like won't, will stop themselves from crying so much because it's seen as such a weakness Mm. that it ends up manifesting itself in different ways, like anger. It ends up manifesting itself in like, you know, like isolation and things like that rather than you just being like, well, I'm going to take a day to just relentlessly cry for no reason. Mm. Well, not no reason, but for no particularly like, for nothing shattering you can kind of reason. put your finger on reason. Yeah. And like, even with um, like things like, um, like, uh, impotent rage is something that i yeah so like me and on my other on the other podcast um we talk about like the fact that you know when you just get angry at like something that is so stupid and trivial so like for example on social media sometimes there are people that you follow for no reason other than they just make you angry oh yeah we've had that and we and like, used to send it back and forth yeah and yeah there's no reason doing. and like to be honest they're not causing any harm there's you know, they're not hurting you, mm. but some of the actions that they have maybe don't align with your values. So that makes you really angry or like yeah. they are not authentic and that makes you really angry because you know, like you, what you were saying, like the whole like posting pictures <laughs> of like your happiness and in reality, you know that that's not the case yeah. and things like that. Like I'm like, sometimes it's actually really important to sit with like rage that doesn't, that it's not going to affect anyone, but like mm. you feel it and then you're like, oh, and then like finding outlets for that. I think yeah. sometimes like big emotions are really important to feel. And um being able to be like oh yeah i can feel them in safe spaces yeah that's exactly that isn't it yeah and like learn from them but i think going back to your point about like resilience it is something that's really hard to learn Mm. especially like when you're in jobs or you're in settings that don't really want you to fail and learn like Mm. as in like they want you to be perfect all the time and like being able to 
Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. One of the dogs has just walked in with a chew that was on the side. I think it's gonna be clear that it's not the three legged dog that's got <laughs> up on the side, is it? It's your um, monstrosity of the I dog. know. Um yeah. I don't like I don't know. I the thing with resilience is that I'm like I don't know how to explain how you learn it. But this is the thing, you learn it, in my opinion, through being dragged through shit. You mm. can't be resilient. And a, a good example of this is, yeah, in that, you know, in professional podcasts where they like beep out the name. Yeah, should I have to do that now? <laughs> I don't think you heard <laughs> it. You're too too far away from the mic. Um, there's a person in my that was previously in my life that had never failed at anything. Mm. So naturally good at everything that when they were faced with an adversity in that they got physically injured, mm. they could could not cope with it mm. at all. End of the world, like, was like, well, I can't do anything. And I was like, look, this, it's really not that bad. Like, you just need to get over this injury and go back to what you were doing. Yeah. That's the end of it. Um, But because this person had, ne- had literally come from a very privileged background and had been hand- handed stuff, I'm going to say it because I don't have any relationship with that person anymore had been handed stuff throughout their life and had been so naturally talented at things that they had just literally walked into like professional settings and done it um but I I was always quite jealous of that and I was like it's annoying that you're very naturally talented at stuff but then when something went wrong they had no tools to deal Mm. with that so you might think oh actually I'm being dealt such a crappy hand by the universe by having to deal with all this but it is going to make you such a better person and a more well, 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 rounded. well rounded person that has empathy and is able to kind of understand the difficulties that people go through and then will make you a perfect person to be able to pass that message on should anybody else in your your life go through stuff. Yeah. Um. But you have to kind of take ownership of that resilience at that time. And that's where the the transformation happens is either, okay, I'm faced with this massive issue, either I learn from it or I let it beat me. Yeah. Um, And sometimes you're going to not be in a capacity, you're going to let it beat you. Like I've had times where I've been like, well, screw this, I'm not Mm. doing it. Like I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with this. And then other times you're ready to face something head on. Like it's not black and white, but but yeah, like take it as a privilege that you get to experience stuff yeah and you get to learn from it and you get to grow from it yeah because uh, if people don't have that opportunity then things will floor them Mm -hmm. and that's not you're in a better position yeah if you've got that level of resilience yeah excellent do you want to summarize your three things that you learn um be your own brand yeah um, I will change change is good to don't be afraid of failure okay um, and resilience is your best friend yeah three very important lessons I think excellent yeah so um, I'm going to throw something at you so you don't overthink it <coughs> um, at the end of the podcast I recommend a song for the week Ooh. so do you want to recommend a song for everyone to listen to Yes, I do. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be like a deep, meaningful, like this is why I threw it at you because I was like, you can really easily overthink this. So uh, yeah, what's 
the song that you're going to recommend that people listen to this week? Lizzo. Nice. Good as hell. Oh, yes. Okay, perfect. Or just any of the Lizzo catalogue, because that woman will make you feel so good about yourself. Yeah. I highly recommend listening to Lizzo's Good Good as Hell. Like, in the morning. Yep. Midway through the day. Yep. If you're in a bad mood. If you're in a good mood. Yep. If you're training. Put it on. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, thank you. Should we go and listen to Lizzo? Yeah, I'm so (laughs) happy.